HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. HRN is food radio supported by you. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. The world is changing faster than ever, and you need a website to go with it. Whether you're a seasoned pro looking to build your following or just starting out with a brand new idea, you need a landing page that's bold, innovative, and uniquely yours. Whatever your passion, you need a web designer with experience, panache, and heart. We can't help you with any of that. Hi, I'm Lou Bank. And I'm Greg Benson. Are we Silicon Valley tech visionaries? No, we're podcast hosts. And that's basically the same thing. And we're here to tell you about Ancestral Agave Syrup. Ancestral Agave Syrup is the 100% pure nectar of the agave plant. Now, wait a minute, you're thinking. I've had 100% pure agave nectar. Well, not like this, you haven't. That stuff is processed with a diffuser, which introduces acid. Plus, it comes from Blue Weber, a monoculture that dominates farms, depletes the soil, and won't help you grow your brand or expand your e-commerce functionality. Ancestral agave syrup, on the other hand, is made by slowly cooking down the pure agua miel from Salmiana agaves in Hidalgo and Tlaxcala, two states that have been harvesting those plants for generations. It also won't expand your e-commerce functionality, but it will grow your brand if your brand is person who makes kick-ass margaritas or pecan pies or pancakes. Unfortunately, the families behind this tasty stuff are being offered big beer company bucks to rip out their agave and plant barley instead, which would be a crime because ancestral agave syrup is about as far from the processed stuff as 100% pure Vermont maple syrup is from that sticky bottle at a diner. So don't build a homepage from one of several easy-to-use templates, but do grab Ancestral Agave Syrup. Today, our first 25 customers will also receive a special limited edition Agave Superhero comic book. So do not wait. Protect the land, make better drinks, and save the bats by grabbing some today. Go to... Wait, what was that about bats? Uh, yeah, it's an important food source on the migration path of the Mexican long-nosed bat. Huh. Yeah, the flowering stalks of the agave also provide protection from predators. Oh, that's cool. Should we get back to the ad now? Yeah, let's do that. Go to AncestralAgave.com or click the link in the show notes to grab some today. Ancestral Agave Syrup. It won't help you build a beautiful website, but it will make your cocktails taste really, really good. I'm a 
I'm Lou Bank. I'm Linda Sullivan from and- Sena Secreto. <laughs> Don't interrupt is- me, bro. I am so sorry. <laughs> I'm I'm so sorry. And I am awesome. <laughs> and this is Agave Road Trip, the critically acclaimed award-winning podcast that helps Green Gags bartenders Benares and Agave, Agave Spirits, and rural Mexico. So We have another special guest today. Audrey. Audrey, Audrey. Elliot, our Audrey. four-legged friend who's sitting in the backseat of our mobile studio. She's very sweet. Say hi, Audrey. No. Pant, no, pant, okay. pant, 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 pant. All right. Okay, so... <laughs> I've got a question for you, Linda. Hit me. And I think you're exactly the person to answer this question. Ooh. Given your background in hospitality. Okay, I got that. And given your background uh, in religion studies. Uh-oh. Is it a me. doctorate that you have? What no, you it's have? a master's. It's a master's. Why'd you just came, laugh I came, at me? Because I came to my senses before doctorate level. But you were on on that route. I, I would have liked to continue um, years before. Okay. Right. When I went to, for my master's, I was hoping to go all the way for well, Jesus. That sounded bad. I was halfway, did. but I, I, couldn't, yeah, I, yeah. I couldn't jump off the wagon. You know, I, I didn't understand. know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Jesus, if you're real. <laughs> Even if you're not. So the question I have for you, Linda, is, is hospitality a religion or a cult? Oh, great question. Oh, my goodness. I think I've listened to all the podcasts that have the word cult in them. So um, (laughs) maybe I could be considered an expert. And I won't go down that rabbit hole. But there are, like requirements. There are things that people believe that, that, you know, calls something a cult. You have a charismatic leader. You have, you know, like a high exit cost. It could be like a restaurant owner. It could be uh, potentially like a celebrity owner um, would would maybe could qualify. There are high exit costs typically to a cult. Sometimes that that is, you know, like reputation or often there's monetary loss. Um, which if, which could also happen if you leave, uh, get fired from or pull out of a restaurant or bar. Right. You could have a lot of strings attached, for example, yep. if a lot of your... Uh, your friends disappear. Right. It could be social connections, yep. right? O- often with a lot of the big cults that you know uh, that were religious cults um people a lot of their uh, social connections become very isolated mm-hmm. there's a lot of pressure and manipulation often to pull away from anyone else who is not cult centric mm-hmm. right so then you're only your partner potentially and or your family your only friends your only supports are people who also ascribe to that worldview okay um so i came up as an evangelical well i didn't come up with my family i actually became a very intense evangelical in undergrad. I went to a public college for undergrad and then chose to pursue this as a late teenager and into my 20s. Um, And that my exit cost was very high regarding people, mentors, people who were like parents to me, really counseled and guided me. And then when I made certain choices, they pieced out because, you know, I was making choices that they didn't agree with in their worldview. And that was a huge social cost for me. So often, I mean, a lot of the the gringo bartenders that listen to this program are... Gringex bartenders who listen to this program, their their social circles are hugely built around their jobs. And so th- those kind of, you know, um, criterion that that people list for for cultiness um, could be 
the same as what we live as our jobs five to seven days a week, right? Yeah. Um, I also think, and I this kind of pains me to say this because there are a lot of things that I really love about uh, working in the industry, restaurants and bars, mm-hmm. and and there are a ton of awesome things about hospitality. If sure. if you are in a context that um, has many more positive elements and and maybe a focus on some mental health and you know they give you time for self-care maybe they look at their program for health care and for time off paid time off taking care of your family providing family meal just just kind of naming listing out some things that would be really positive right because there are a lot of negatives and and maltreatment in the restaurant industry but the way that you are curating that space to offer um an ear, maybe think of a bartender, right? Offer an ear to people who are coming in with their troubles and this and that. A lot of that is really similar to the way that people in a church setting or kind of a culty fundamentalist setting offer an ear and build friendships in more of a spiritual realm. They're in the back of your mind. There's like a kind of secret goal sometimes. Hmm. And and in bartending or the restaurant industry, there is there is sometimes too, but it's just often more capitalistic like you want their money maybe you want them to buy the highest priced you know thing well you know i like i i hear what you're saying but i also like it i doubt if i could cut open your head and read your thoughts that there was ever a moment when you were being hospitable to your guests if there ever ha- is like cuz you're still you still have guests if there's ever a moment where you're thinking how do i get your money like I, I, you know, I think I just had this conversation with uh, with my friend Eric the other day, who's looking at moving out of hospitality to what what he um, called, and I'm using air quotes with my fingers, uh, what what he called a meaningful job. And I've got to say, I think that there's something very meaningful and very beautiful in the daily interactions in restaurants and bars where you're just showing a stranger absolute kindness. And I I think that can affect the trajectory of any person's day in a positive way that to me feels a lot like the interactions that are at least intended to, to to be, I think, in churches, synagogues, mosques, right? I, a, a hundred percent. And I not only do I want to believe that that's true because that creates a beautiful world, but I know for sure that it has been true for me. It's one of the reasons I love the restaurant industry. But I think we would be foolish to act like like that happens all the time. And I, I can definitely admit that that you could cut, cut open my brain and see a time when that wasn't the only thing. And I know we're not going this direction in this conversation <laughs> today. I know we're not. I'm going to say that ahead of time. But there are a lot of really big conversations and awesome organizations having them about the tipping industry and the, and the history of it. And this right. is hard for me because I have... I, whenever I've worked front of house, I have been good at it. I have an enormous mouth and lots of words come out of it. <laughs> and yet and you take three bites to finish a tortilla. That, well, good point. And I usually, it, yeah, never mind. Never mind how I eat a tortilla with good things in it. But um, 
I that serves me well in the front of house at a slower paced fine dining restaurant where you get to say a lot and teach people stuff. And that's satisfying for me. But do I also know that that person, if I give them the best service and I earn their trust and I give them a ton of shit that they like, are going to leave me a lot of money on a blank line? Yep. Yeah, though, I'm going to push back against your pushback. And I'm going to suggest that, and maybe, like, this is entirely internalized with the way that I think, okay? But I wonder if you're looking forward to that tip has less to do with the monetary reward and more to do with a gaming system where you, in essence, how many points did I get from this person? In other words, how did this person perceive my hospitality? Is it is it really and truly just I got their money or is it really and truly, oh, my goodness, that 30% tip means I really touched that person today. Yeah, definitely both and. Both and. Both okay. and, for okay. sure. I mean, that's and that's coming from someone who, who lives still in an academic brain yeah. from, you know, first grade till the last day of grad school. Like, I, it's like an A-plus on my test. Yeah. I'm like, I, I was an actor in there. I had a lot of information, yeah. and then I put on a little show for you, and you stood up, you gave me a standing ovation. Yeah. And yeah, it was yeah, yeah, in, yeah, the, yeah. in the equivalent of that big number on a line, yeah. which I will now go out into this world and give pieces of paper and small plastic rectangle and spend it and get things. Yeah, you know, so, you know, like I, I, I recognized, uh, I recognized that when I, I started Sacred, the nonprofit that uh, that I run, when I started Sacred, the vast majority of funding came from hospitality workers, and it always seemed to be that these these people working behind bars and at tables, they'd come to the events, um, and inevitably they would just throw down these twenties that I know came to them in as tips right in those those little what do you call those little folders with the bills in them there must be a name for it oh like the little um envelopes that a lot of people get their tips in oh is it ev- i was or thinking no. of the like the little black fake leather things oh, that the, waiter wallets waiter wallets waiter there wallets. you go yeah uh. yeah 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 <laughs> and i just know i know that that was in essence the passing it on and mm. you know and this to me also uh, sort of speaks to the religious aspect of this, which, you know, if you think about that golden rule and all religions, I think, have some version of this, right? Treat others as you would want to be treated yourself. Mm-hmm. I think that's fairly universal. Yeah. Like that passing it on feels like that to me, but it also feels to me like, and I, I don't, I don't want to suggest that this is true of all people in hospitality by any stretch of the imagination. But, you know, lately I've had a number of friends in the industry who have taken their own lives. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I can't help but think that a, a, a piece of that reason is they spend day in, day out treating others as they'd want to be treated themselves. And part of it, part of, part of how they're thinking has to be. So when, when, when does somebody treat me this way? And, and when you come up short on that line so frequently, I think that I think that's the kind of thing that can lead to those horrible actions. And I think that honestly, I think one of the big pieces of the puzzle for that part of the conversation yeah. is going back and looking at 
the history of how the industry got into this structure. And it does involve this idea of where did tipping come from? It comes from the post-slave structure. Where, like now, slaves are were getting jobs after the emancipation, but slavery still existed in some places, and they were getting tipped as this gesture, and it kind of evolved into like, okay, well now we're going to tip these lower positions like a small amount for what they do, and it 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 was very hard for me initially to get on board. With that conversation, and I actually thought over the pandemic, the conversation would bloom a little more. There are a number of restaurants here in Chicago and and, and all, most of the big cities yeah. that have moved to a different model. I mm-hmm. sort of see evidence that different um, companies are sort of trying on yeah. different new-ish models. You know, you'll see this little charge on a receipt. You'll see the gratuity is included at a different place. You'll yeah. see the prices on a lot of menus have gone up, and that's multifold. You know, that's for different cost things and as well for covering the servers. You'll see places that have, you know, a health insurance charge to help cover oh, health right insurance on. for some of the And that has been, like, for years in the industry, it's been like it, nobody has health insurance, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, so I'm glad that that conversation's happening. Um, but I think it's important. It's for there's a there's a part of it that has to do with back of house because the front and back of house has a huge unevenness mm-hmm. for how that happens. Um, it has to do with, you know, different hours. A lot of restaurant people are part time. So for years, they haven't qualified for certain yeah, access yeah, yeah, yeah. to things. Um, but, you know, you have a, you have people with all different needs across the city that, you know, they need to pay for food for their four-legged friends to include our guests. <laughs> sure, sometimes, um, sometimes I mean, two-legged. But yeah, for for families and kids and you know spouses who might in between, be between things in between things. Just um, I think it's important to understand that history because you know when you're talking about people that have mental health issues and are struggling and are not feeling like they're getting that kickback. You're also talking about people on unusual schedules. Yeah. You know, that are going home in the middle of the night and they don't they don't have access to like necessarily normal resources that people in a nine to five world might. And so I think that's a that's a question that needs a lot more attention in the industry world. Wouldn't it be cool if an industry that also focuses on hospitality, I don't know that you would call the church an industry maybe noticed for sure (laughs) maybe maybe they noticed that need in the community and attended to it i mean i'm sure i'm biased but i don't see there's no churches in my neighborhood that are servicing that population with any like specificity yeah yeah, no it's it's an interesting point it's an interesting point you know which also then comes back to this this question of okay so hospitality is it church or sorry is it religion or is it cult um because i you know i i would say that in a lot of ways the way that a hospitality worker that somebody's serving me a drink or a meal treats me it's i'm just a general human being off the street and it's not like there's a specific need that I have other than a drink or a specific piece of food that I'm ordering. Um, but in that way, it's I would say hospitality is serving a, a more general audience than church is. Mm-hmm. I, it depends. The church, I mean, the church from my perspective, from kind of a culty fundamentalist perspective, they, they want everyone in that door because they feel like everyone needs what they have 
to offer. Oh, sorry. I wasn't even thinking about that, who comes in the door. I was thinking about the people who come in the doors. How are they treating other people? How are they servicing other people? Which seems, at least, you know, for me, seems like it should be the purpose of church. The people, wait, wait, the people from, like, the pulpit? How are they treating the people who come in the doors? The leadership? No, how are they treating people who don't come in the doors? Wait, hang on a second. I think I just, I think I'm taking this in a completely different direction now. Hang on a second. Wouldn't be the first time. Sure, fair. Uh, But, you know, there's, there's this huge difference, right, when you think about, okay, so in this question, would the wait staff, would the bartenders, would they be priests or parishioners? Because I guess in my model, the way I'm thinking about it, they're sort of the priests and the nuns and the deacons and the... Right. And the rabbis and the imams, I think. Yeah. And I, I think my gut reaction would be that the bartenders, with a few exceptions of bartenders that I think are, you know, I've encountered that have been unkind. I think the bartenders would be more excellent leadership than the priests and the imams and the whomevers because they're like, yeah, anybody want a drink? Great. Here you go. Here you go. Here you go. <laughs> Versus the priests and the everybody's who are like, you love Jesus? Great. I love you too. You don't? Go to hell. That, that's like a very, it's too broad of a brush. But yeah, no, they, I, but they, I get your, they want yeah. you in, in the in-group, but if you're not in the in-group, sometimes there's a high risk yeah. of that then you're not you don't get their air quotes unconditional love because their love is conditional is conditional right in it you know and i have lots of friends who well not lots lots is too many i have a number of friends who still do are christians and do love jesus and and are practicing various faiths and they do practice it well, uh, yeah. according to the golden rule, right? That's not always I, my primary and deepest and most intimate experience with spirituality is through my master's degree and that community, which I yeah. find kind of culty and is evangelical. So that's which, what I'm talking about as far as like the in-group and the out-group. Sure, though obviously that that's not reflective of all religion. No, of course it's not. Yeah. You can't, I mean, you can't in 20 minutes sure. sweep that broadly. But I would say, I mean, look at the movement right now in the bar for low and no. I would say the bartenders... <laughs> low alcohol, no alcohol. Yes, yeah. I would say the bartenders' effort to be as inclusive as possible is a bigger effort oh. than the churches. Although, I don't know, there were a lot of churches in the Pride Parade when I went yeah, and then we're trying to be inclusive. So maybe I, I'm, I mean, you just gotta change as you know, when you know, do better. Yeah, what did yeah, my yeah, Angelou's, yeah. my Angela's quote is something like, you do the best you can with what you know. And then when you know better, do better, something like that. Okay. I like that. We'll, we'll put the actual quote up, but I like yes, that as please. a quote. I like that as a quote. And, and honestly, fact I, check. future Linda will fact check. And, and I like it as future. There you go. And I like it as a wrap up. All right. I love these chats. <laughs> Amen. Amen. <laughs> hey, oh, good yeah. I love oh, a callback, too. There you go. Okay, I will catch you next episode, Linda. Hasta pronto. Got him. Hasta luego. You've been listening to Agave Road Trip, the critically acclaimed award-winning podcast that helps gring ex bartenders better understand agave, agave spirits, and rural Mexico. We're blessed with sound engineering by Roy Sierra and a theme song performed by Gabriel Oliveira and Marco Ricos. 
Sign up to become a road tripper and listen to more episodes at agaveroadtrip.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please let us know. And if you hated it, well, I'm sure you'll let us know that too. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Agave Road Trip. Agave Road Trip is a production of 10 Angry Pit Bulls, Inc. Agave Road Trip is powered by Simplecast. Thank you for listening to Heritage Radio Network. Heritage Radio Network is food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. To subscribe to the Heritage Radio Newsletter, enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with Heritage Radio Network on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find Heritage Radio Network at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization using the power of education educational storytelling about food to build a more equitable, resilient food system. Heritage Radio Network couldn't do that without support from listeners like you. Become a part of the world's most innovative community today. Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the Heritage Radio Network family by becoming a member. To become a member of the Heritage Radio Network, click on the beating heart of our homepage. Heritage Radio Network can become addictive. Programming you here on Heritage Radio Network might lead you to eat, drink, and listen to more programming on Heritage Radio Network. If you drink, please do not drink and drive. Drink responsibly, drive responsibly, eat responsibly too, and listen to Heritage Radio Network responsibly. To listen to Heritage Radio network responsibly wear protective earbuds while wearing protective earbuds do not drive do not walk either sit in a comfortable chair if that comfortable chair has a hard seat please remember to stretch every 30 minutes if you stretch every 30 minutes please stay within your defined stressing capacity and consult a doctor who specializes in stretching if you don't have a doctor maybe dr ryan acock the cocktail md can help you out thanks for listening agave road trip out